are listening to the Sunday Sermon from Crossroads Bible Church in Bellevue, Washington. To learn more about Crossroads, visit us on our website at cbcbellevue.com. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and hope you have a very Merry Christmas. You know, it's weird to think that 2021 is four days away, and I, I would like to, you know, say what most people say, Happy New Year, but I, just like you, I wonder how new this year is going to be. Maybe better to say something like, Happy Same Year. And that seems depressing, doesn't it? Until you think about the verse from Hebrews 13:8, which says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Amen? So no matter how different or the same or better or worse this year is for us, we can know that Jesus Christ was the same. He's eternal. He's got this. And we can take great comfort in that today. As we do head to a new year, i got to be honest, I, I do like the new year. There's something about me, new ideas, new goals. There's nothing like breaking your New Year's resolution by the third week in January. You know? I love that sense of discouragement and disillusionment just kind of welling up in my soul. You feeling me? Right? How many of you have a New Year's resolution this year? You know, last service, not a single one. We got a couple here, still young, brave people that would, but I think all of us probably just feel very overwhelmed, very tired, very beat down and defeated. This has been a very challenging year. And on top of that, the idea of a resolution is, is so defeating because there's no grace in keeping a resolution. The resolutions are like the law, right? They're, they don't encourage you or strengthen you or empower you. Resolutions just remind you of your failure and your weakness and combine that with your lack of self-control. It's just not a great feeling. And so... I have a New Year's resolution for all of us, all right? And here it is. Are you ready? New Year's resolution for 2021. Just do nothing. Wow, that wasn't a very good. Let me try it one more time. Just do nothing. Clapping something. Yeah, all right, there you go. I just want to make sure you're awake out there. Just do nothing, but just do nothing in your own strength. How's that? Right? Just do nothing in your own strength. Today we're going to see how doing nothing in our strength, but being strengthened by the grace of God, can change everything. In fact, when someone asks you, my hope at the end of the service, someone asks you, do you have any resolution for 2021? You're going to say, yeah, I do. It's the grace resolution. It's going to go viral, I promise. All right? So we got one verse we're going to look at today, just one verse that I hope that you know so well by the end of it, you can own it for yourself. It's found in 2 Timothy 2.1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Can we just read that together again? You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, when you get one verse like this, you've got to have some context. So the context here is that the Apostle Paul is writing from prison to his spiritual son, Timothy. Things are hard. Things are rough. And the passage right before this one, Paul writes about the many people that are falling away from their faith because of the persecution and the suffering that they're enduring. And he says there's one guy that's doing all right. He's actually persevering. He's caring. He's walking with God. 
So then this verse comes and says, You then, my son, be strengthened in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Because he doesn't want Timothy to fall like all the rest of them have as well. And so the question would be then, well, what does being strengthened by grace help me to be faithful to the situation we're in? Because the situation that Timothy was in, obviously a lot of hard things here, but there's a lot of hard things now. And the question is, what's going to get us through this next year? If it is the same or worse, how do we stay faithful? Well, we stay faithful by being strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Now, like any good Bible student, you've got to ask the question, what does it mean to be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus? How are we to be strengthened? And how would grace help me from falling away? And so we look at this, this verse, really two key words that I want to focus on. The first one is strengthen, and the second one is grace. Now, this word strengthen, it's a verb, and as I began to look into the original Greek of it, trying to figure out what does this mean, I found some things that you wouldn't normally see if you just read it in English. Well, first of all, it's a present tense, which means there's no end inside. There's no completion. Present tense is now and now and now and now. So in essence, what it really means is keep on being strengthened. Now and now and now and tomorrow and the next day. It just keeps on being strengthened. The second part of this verb that I really thought was interesting was it's an imperative, which means it's a command or an exhortation. So he's saying, you must be strengthened. And then the third thing, this is the one that I, I didn't see coming, is that this word is a passive verb. It's a passive voice, which means the subject is the receiver of the action. So if you're awake enough after your Christmas post-blues and all of that's going on, and you're trying to figure out what's going on here, you would ask the question, well, Steve, how do we obey a command in the present that I can't do, right? How do you obey a command that you're a receiver of? Let me maybe try to make this a little more simple. Uh, I invited my friend Connor out here. Is he back there? Oh, there he comes. And he's got a football, right? right yeah, right there. Now, if I say to Connor, Connor, throw me the football, he can obey my command, right? But because he's, you know, in control of the ball and he threw it to me. But what if I say to Connor, Connor, catch the ball? He's not listening to me. Connor, catch the ball. Maybe I need to use the King James Version. Connor, thou shalt catch the ball. You see what I mean? Right? He's the receiver of the football. How can you command somebody who is not in control of the ball to receive the ball? There's no way for him to do it. It's just like this. Paul is saying, be strengthened, but you can't be strengthened. So what is it that you are able to receive that you can't receive for the glory of God? It's a riddle, isn't it? Thanks, Connor. Good job. Let's hear it for Connor. Nice job. So that's what we're trying to figure out is how do you be strengthened something that you can't be in control of? Well, the answer is grace. Be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now let's just imagine for a moment you've never heard the word grace and you have no idea what it means and you're just now learning it for the first time in this time together. And maybe that's true for some of you that are here today. This is an amazing word and I can't wait to teach you more about it. The word grace, it means to show kindness. Okay, so put that building block right there. It means to cause someone to rejoice. So grace is 
someone whose purpose is to make you rejoice. That's what grace is. But grace is done without any expectation of return. It's a one-way gift. And it's unearned or unmerited. Meaning you can't earn grace. There's nothing you can do to earn grace. It's the exact opposite of the word erga. This is charis. Charis is the word for, for grace. Erga is the word for works. Their two are mutually exclusive. They're opposites. So you can't work for grace, and there's nothing you can do to earn grace. It's all a gift. So what is the grace of God? It's God's river of kindness to continue to save you, to bless you, to empower you for the purpose of giving you joy. It's a pretty good deal. The God of the universe, whose goal is to give you grace. Do you know this morning that God loves you? Do you feel that love? That God could not love you anymore? And God does not love you any less, no matter what you do, or what you think, or who you are, or what you've done. You know, sometimes I think we have, we have to work for God's approval. We have to, you know, read the Bible enough or pray enough. If I just do enough good works, I'll make it to heaven. I know I've experienced where, you know, God saved me. Sure, he did the good work, but I've got to make up for my end. I've got to make up for the bad things I've done. But a lot of my years trying to please God just so that I could feel like I'm staying a Christian as a kid. I remember asking God, you, you know, can I be a Christian? Like many times, just because I wanted to make sure, because I knew myself, my sin, my struggles. But we have to understand this concept. That this grace that's in Christ Jesus is an endless river to come and bring you joy and to bless you for his glory. Let me give an illustration to maybe kind of help you understand, I think, uh, how this works. Uh, when I was a missionary, we were missionaries in Zambia, like many of you know. I've told a few stories here and there. And um, my, uh, one, one year, my daughter and I went with another friend and his daughter down to a place called Chikinkata. This is a rural village in Zambia. Like, there's no running water. There's no power. It's, it's miles and miles off the main road, and it's, you know, a few hours from where I was from in, in Lusaka, Zambia. And when we get down there, right, I mean, it's a different world. Like, there's no electricity, no water. It's just, it's a different world. So that night, I remember one night we were, my daughters wanted to brush their teeth, but there was no well, water. So we had to walk out to the pump. There's this pump out there. And this is a big pump to get the water that, you know, basically provides water for an entire village. And it's, it's, it's really hard. You have to up and hard. I mean, it's really, you have to work hard and hard and hard just to get a little bit of water. And eventually that water starts coming up and you feel it coming and it flashes out through the uh, Flashes out through the hose, and, and you, you, know, you get what you can while you can. But once you stop pumping, the water stops. So you do this, and she brushes her teeth, and then her friend does it. You know, again, they're small, so they're like, <laughs> trying to get this pump to work. And, uh, and you can imagine you know, what that's like to try to do that for your, your big gallon jug where you have to carry it to water miles away for your family. I mean, it's just, we just take these things for granted, right? And uh, one of the fun things about having friends that were Zambians, especially at different places, watching them experience like modern conveniences for the first time. I remember being with a friend who went on a plane for the first time. Like he'd never been on a plane before, Zambian. He got on the plane, he's just like, you know, I mean, like looking over. I mean, you can imagine like what that's like to watch that. I remember one person uh, experiencing an MP3 player for the first time. Like there's 
Where's the music coming from? Like, how does this work? You can plug it into your, your car radio. It was pretty cool. Um, but I can only imagine what it would be like for them. Like, you live your whole life in a village and pumping, and then all of a sudden you get to a place where, you know, you, you get this water, and you're like, how do you pump this water out? Oh, no, you just turn it on. And then the water just comes, and it comes, and it comes, and it comes, and you're like, you don't have to, like, pump the water to keep it going, right? I mean, it just comes. Or what it would be like even more so to get to where, like, there was an um, automatic where you put your hand in and the water just comes. And not just, like, timed where it stops, but, like, it actually, like, keeps coming. You know, to like, find the spot so the water comes. And, that, and, and that's a good, I think, a, a good illustration of what it's like for grace. Is that we're up here trying to help God out, right? We, yeah, God saved me, but I'm going to keep him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, Jesus, God, I'm good. Am I good? Are we good? Right? And instead, God just saying, no, yeah, just, just put your hand. Just receive my blessing for you. I long to help you rejoice. I long to bless you. I long to forgive you. I long to care. But God, you don't know what I've done. You don't understand. No, just, just, just receive. And that's what it means to be strengthened by grace. Is that we can control, we can be, obey that command because God's grace is ever flowing. And that's the grace of resolution. Is making a choice to say, I want to receive what you have for me right now. For your glory. But you might ask the question, well, what is grace? How do I know what that looks like when I'm being strengthened by it? Well, there's three words that I, I think that can help us today as we think about what grace does. Grace saves us, grace gifts us, and grace empowers us. The first one's very familiar, but I think you'll even see a few new things as we talk about it today that will encourage you. Again, if you didn't know what the word grace meant and you're trying to learn, I'm going to give you three verses and let the Bible preach to us this morning. The first verse is found in Ephesians 2.5. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, or our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So if you see this verse, there's basically three things. We were dead in our sin, he made us alive, and it's grace that saves us. So if we knew nothing about grace, we would know that there's something about grace, whatever it is, it saves us. The next verse in Ephesians 2.8 says, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So again, we learn a few more things about grace. That it's faith that works, right, with grace to save us, and that grace is a gift from God. One more verse, Romans 3.24. It says, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the, through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So what do we learn about grace? Well, we, we are justified. What does that big word mean? Well, this is how I've always remembered it. It's justified, justified, never sinned. Get it? That's pretty good, huh? Justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned, which is exactly what justified means. It's like you never sinned. That when you understood grace and you said, God, I confess my sins before you, give me your righteousness. It's as if there was never sin. You are as good as God. Your righteousness is perfect like Jesus Christ. It's such an incredible gift. I love what Tim Keller says uh, here. It says, in Christianity, the moment we believe, God imputes Christ's perfect performance to us as if it were our own and adopts us into his family. In other words, God can say to us just as he, as he once said to Christ, you are my son 
whom I love, with you I am well pleased. What a beautiful verse. We are imputed with God's perfect righteousness and we are adopted into his family. That's a simple invitation. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's the great exchange. He takes all your sin, all your regrets, all your failures, and he replaces it with righteousness and peace and joy. His spirit is now in you. You are eternally saved. What a gift. What an amazing gift. That's, I think, the beauty of, of baptisms. And Jennifer, I don't know where you are, but I sure appreciated your story and just being honest with us and sharing your heart. And um, it's such a beautiful thing to see that Jesus Christ, his, his working through our lives and making people that were once dead alive, is happening all over the world. It happened to me. I, I remember on July 11th, 1991, I was baptized, Lake Retreat, by Dr. Reverend Pastor Jerry Mitchell. And... Uh, I mean, I, I grew up at a, a hearing impaired. Many of you guys know I have hearing aids. I was born that way. And I also grew up with a lot of pain in my stomach. I, I had an ulcer and a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear in my life. And so I think my life was, I grew up with a lot of pain and couldn't hear anybody. <laughs> so kind of a lonely world. And so I think because of that, I mean, I think God was good and I became more spiritually sensitive than probably most kids my age. But then I got into junior high and high school and Ulcer went away, the hearing impairment wasn't as big a deal, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, where am I going to find joy? Like, that was my kid thing, but what's about the real, what's the real world about? I just had the right friends, or if I just had great at sports, or if I just did this or that, how am I going to find that peace, that fulfillment that I'm looking for? But the harder I tried, and the deeper I went, the more unfulfilled and along that, that I experienced, and I think, well, when am I going to experience that? And I had one of those dead-to-life things. God just opened my eyes, and I don't know how else to describe it, but it was just like God just gave me a heart to want to go back to church. God gave me a heart to want to read his Bible and to, to, to connect with Christian friends. I don't know how else to describe it, but I was dead, and God made me alive. And um, he led me to Crossroads Baptist Church, which is now Crossroads Bible Church. I remember being discipled by uh, Tim Jack, the youth pastor, getting connected in youth ministry. And it changed my life. I, I look back and I wonder, at that moment in my life, what would have happened? What would have happened if I wouldn't have gotten into church? What, what, what would I be right now? The darkness, the, the loneliness, the longing, the things that I have, and how God just transformed my life. I just, I still amazes me. It's amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? It saved a wretch like me, that God, for some reason, in his kindness, in his grace, chose me. I don't know how, but I'm so thankful. And just not me and just not Jennifer, but, but so many others. The last two years, we've had a, a bunch of different people sharing, uh, becoming baptized and, and, and sharing their testimony, and it just amazes me what God's doing. Let's, let's watch this video. I couldn't control my thoughts at all, and immediately what my brain went to is I need I need Jesus in this time. So I bowed my head and I started to pray and I only said like a couple words. I just said, Jesus, please give me peace. From drinking to smoking to the company I owned was not of a godly way at all. It was, um, there was no real purpose. There was no satisfaction. It was just from day to day doing whatever I wanted to do. I never, I never in a million years would have believed I'd be sitting in this in this chair right here because I was a hardcore atheist. I never would have believed in it ever, ever. I basically spent the 
first 47 years of my life ignoring God, ignoring my parents, ignoring the message that Jesus Christ had for me. I couldn't help but to go down front and seek counsel and prayer and it changed my life forever. I, I, I realized I needed to do more research and that research led me to a belief in Jesus Christ. And I just felt this wave of anxiety go away and this peace just come over me. And that's when I really realized like, I can't do this alone. Um, I'm not meant to do this alone. I need Jesus and his peace. Finding out that God is real, Jesus Christ was real, still is, and that I was needing Christianity, needing God in my life. I felt God, and I don't even know how to explain it, but I, I felt God. I trust him 100%, and that's, that's hard for me to do, but that's the only way. It has to be. Grace to me means that even though I mess up, I am still loved and cared for and supported, and that is priceless. Isn't that encouraging? That God is working at crossroads. People are coming to Christ from dead to life. I love how, how she ended it there. That, that grace reminds me I'm still loved. Because the question is, well, I've already saved, Steve. How do I be strengthened by something that's already happened? Right? Well, Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. What you did to understand and say, I was dead, I was dead, and now I'm alive. God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I, I need your love for me, and I want to follow you and serve you the rest of my life. That, that decision to receive him is the same way that we live each day of our lives. I love how Tim Keller says it. He says, we never get beyond the gospel in our Christian life to something more advanced. The gospel is not just the ABCs but the A to Z of Christianity. The gospel is not just the minimum required doctrine necessary to enter the kingdom, but it's the way we make progress in the kingdom. So the question is, how do we get strengthened to make progress? How does the gospel, how does grace that saves us continue to save us? God's grace is what comes to us to forgive, just like it forgave us it now continues to forgive us. Just as it sustained us, it does continue. Just as it encouraged us, it continues to encourage us. But how do we get strengthened? What does that look like? Well, part of it is just taking time to remember. Remember what it was like back then when you were lost and it was dark and you didn't have a purpose or you hadn't made that decision to, to really be all in with God. I know some people like that complain or they say, oh man, I have a boring testimony. You know, I love what Sam shared. I love it because it's like, oh, I just grew up. I was here. I was always here. But I realized I needed to make it my own. And I can think of how many people would say, man, I would kill for a boring testimony as some people say it's a boring testimony, right? That God's grace to you to have you grow up is his grace. And just remembering that and saying, God, thank you for saving me, for allowing me to know you at an early age. And those that have had to walk different roads would say, I mean, I would have wished I could have had that. 
I think part of, of being strengthened in the grace that saves is just reveling in his grace for you. I remember being in, in, on vacation not too long ago where I, I just, I don't know what it was, but I just remember waking up in the morning and I just started thinking about God and his grace and where I was and how I got here and where I would be. And I just remember just feeling like welling up in me, just this gratitude. Is that's how it's, when we can remember what God did for us, when we preach to ourselves the truth of who we really are and whose we are, that I was lost but now I'm found, that God has forgiven me for all my sins, that he continues to love me and I have eternal home in heaven, that strengthens us no matter what, God, what life brings us. This is just our home we're passing through. And God loves us and his grace allows us to continue to grow. So by remembering our story of grace, remembering that God's grace saves us, it strengthens us to continue to remind us who we are and whose we are. But it doesn't end there. The second aspect of grace is gifts. Grace, gifts. Remember back when I was in seminary and uh, I had a professor named Dr. John Wex at Multnomah University, or Multnomah Biblical Seminary, and we were going through a class called Inductive Bible Study. And I remember for the first time learning how grace, which I always kind of just kind of put right here on the grace saves, that all of a sudden now the same word grace, it actually expanded into different meanings. And I'll show you what I mean by that. If you can look at Ephesians 3, 11. Um, if you can go to the next slide, I'll, I'll show them there. Is that this verse that um, we were studying. It's, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And so as I began to break down this, this passage, I said, okay, there's, you know, we have observed the passage, and then we interpret it, and then we apply it. Well, observing, I was like, okay, let's make it simple. There is grace. All right, that's pretty good. Uh, God has grace. Yeah, that's good. God's grace is a gift. Yeah, I knew that. That's good. God's grace made Paul a minister. I was like, wait, what? And, and, and I looked back, and I realized that, yeah, he was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given by the working with power. So grace saves him, but now grace began to give him a gift to make him a minister. And I don't know if for you, if that was a, for me, that was like a mind-blowing thing, like, wow, like that endless water of reservoir is now God saying, here, I want to give you gifts, and you're going to serve me. And if that wasn't enough, okay, Ephesians, well, then I saw it in Romans 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. All right? If prophecy, if service, if teaching, if exhorting, all these different gifts. Well, what are they? They're gifts according to the grace given to us, that we should use them. And then, well, that's just Paul. That's, that's certainly it's just Paul. It's just Paul's thing. Well, actually, it's not. It's actually Peter's thing, too. 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Grace saves you. Grace now gifts you to serve one another as a wise steward of God. And so this morning I asked the question of all of us, how are you using God's grace, his gifts to you, to serve one another? I wonder where you are and you're thinking about your life and, and the gifts that God has and how you've served the church and served the community. But I wonder if it feels a little bit like this. Now, four years ago, I, I drove with my daughter Cameron to, uh, from, from Houston all the way to Seattle. My niece had given my daughter Cameron a car. And so we had a little daddy-daughter road trip. 
And uh, that Christmas, my daughter took some of the pictures and put it into this cool mug. I'm going to see if they can see it. Can you, right there, can you see it? Isn't that cool? Look at that. Look how cute that is, right? Oh, man. What a cool mug. And I remember getting the mug and going, this is such a cool gift. Thank you so much, Cameron. This is so cool. And you know what I did? I put it in the closet and I didn't use it again for the next year. I know, right? What a, what a jerk of a dad, right? Well, the truth of reality is that you can't put this in the, the dishwasher or microwave. And I didn't want to have to wash it by hand. And so I just thought, you know, and I like the other mug I really like better. So I just took this gift and I just kind of put it in the closet. It went unenjoyed, unappreciated, unused for an entire year. And then another year. And then another year until I remembered this message and I thought of this illustration and I thought, you know what, it's never too late to bust out the gift. Hmm. That is a good mug. I'm sorry, Cameron. If you're watching, please forgive me. But the point is, right, I mean, it's kind of the same, right? God gives these gifts. It's, it's grace gifts to you. You just got to receive it to benefit his body. And so many of us, we just kind of, because we're comfortable or because we're nervous or because we're uh, selfish or just, or just or whatever, like we just kind of keep these gifts to ourselves and, and we don't get to bless him with that. Now, here's the deal. This is a message on grace. And I'm not here to condemn us, but check this out. No matter where you are, God's grace is just one like hand away from saying, God, I want to be used. And it's as simple as saying, God, forgive me. God, I want to be used for you, for your glory. I, I feel so weak, I feel so inadequate, but whatever it takes, I'll do it. You know, it's fun having been in the church for a while now. I've been able to see a lot of lives transformed and see people step into their gifts. There's a, a couple that, uh, that may, you may recognize, Chuck and Lorraine Kleger. Anybody recognize that name? I, you know, having been here for a while, I, uh, I, I've been here back when I was a youth pastor. They were, they were here. And, you know, there are some gifts they recognize. They they, she, was, she loved to quilt, and so they had a quilt ministry. And then he loved to you know, do construction, so he was part of the heart and hammer ministry, helping people do projects. And then they had a heart for, uh, for foster and adopted kids, and so they, they stepped into that, and, and they began to see their gift of what that looked like to care for those that, that most needed a home. But it wasn't until one year where uh, Lorraine stepped into helping us cook for a, a camp, and she just came and helped cook, and she did it again, and then did it again, and pretty much then took over. And at one point, we got to over a couple hundred kids, and she was overseeing 25 staff. We were out in the middle of nowhere. So she had to bring it all in and organize it. And this gift of administration to go to kicking. And, and Chuck, he came in, and together they were this dynamic duel. And then eventually they went to Mexico with us, and they helped me lead the ministry to Mexico. And uh, all because they just stepped in, and God began to show them the gifting. And then she eventually she, Lorraine took over for the kitchen ministry. All because of the simple said, I don't know. And that's part of what this gift is. Like, unless you're like Paul the Apostle and you have this light out of the sky and you go blind and you, for three days you don't eat and God says, I want you to do this. But the rest of us, right, what does it look like? What gifts do I have? I mean, most of the people can see it in you and they can tell you. But also, you just got to step into ministry. You just got to step in there and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll try it. Well, this isn't for me or this is. 
Well, it was fun when I was visiting them in Spokane. I saw this flyer on this, this 2002 mission trip. And we were on this fish. You can see me in the far right, up, upper right-hand corner. And, and, um, and I was looking at all the different people and the faces that I rec- recognized over the years. But in the far left upper corner is Ed Price. So Ed Price was on, went on this mission trip with us. And, uh, and he, you know, he, used, he began using his gifts of teaching youth and doing crazy skits. Well, that's 2002. You take a two and move it to the one, and now we have 2020. And guess who's still helping, working with youth and using crazy skits and, and uh, teaching the Bible? Ed Price. Well, one of the guys that Ed Price used to mentor was a guy named Aaron Gibbs. Well, Aaron Gibbs, you know, young kid growing up and eventually stepping into ministry and uh, learning he had a gift for teaching and a gift for connecting with people and eventually uh, started pastoring at a church, and now he's in Slovakia as a missionary using his gift that he didn't know he had, but began to be developed over time. Well, when he was serving here at Crossroads, he was serving alongside a guy named Kyle Evans. And Kyle was just a volunteer. He was just working in the world, and he was just volunteering, helping out. And people said, wow, you have a gift of teaching and a gift of leadership. Why don't you become a youth pastor here? Oh, okay, sure, I'll follow God, do whatever he wants to do. And then eventually became a missionary, went over to Czechoslovakia, uh, or Czech and also Slovenia. And now, next month, he's going to become our executive pastor of Crossroads Bible Church. I mean, see about that. You just step into these gifts that God has, and you just take, keep taking a step. You keep walking. You keep trusting. And God's gr- grace and his gifts are used for his glory and the, the, the joy of the church and the joy of ourselves. There's nothing like serving Christ. There's nothing more fulfilling and fun when you can step into the gifts that God has designed for you to do for our team. So anyway, that's what, part of what we're talking about when we talk about the, God, the idea that, that God gives grace gifts. So grace that saves, it's grace that gifts, but it's also grace that empowers. And again, this is another verse that kind of blew my mind of grace. Because we ask the question, why is grace so hard? It's because we want to do what we want to do. We want to do it on our own strength. But for grace to work, all you have to do is just acknowledge your need. The only way that grace works is you need. You just put your hand and say, God, I need. I need you. And this grace that is ever flowing empowers us in our daily moments. 1 Corinthians 15, 10 uh, says, by the grace of God, this is what Paul says, I am what I am. Paul says, who I am, my personality, how I grew, whatever it is, all about me, my skills, my gifting, the way I look, all of it is by God's grace is how he created me. But he says, And his grace toward me was not in vain. Meaning, I didn't waste the grace that God gave me. Right? On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So God saves Paul, and he steps into this, and then gifts him. So he steps into that, and he works hard at the gifts that he has, but he knows that it's not him that does it. It's all grace. It's kind of like this. Let me give an example. Now, I mean, it's a good thing that I, I wore a long sleeve shirt, and I do that a lot because sometimes when people see my muscles and they're so huge that they get a little bit, like, you know, intimidated, distracted. And I don't blame them, right? But, like, back in the day when I used to lift weights, and I still kind of do occasionally, you think about lifting weights, it's very simple, right? You do the work. You lift the weights, right? Your muscles do the work. But the reality of, of the muscles doing the work, unless my mind said, pick up, you know, the weight and lift it, right? The muscle's not going to get stronger. In fact, if I were paralyzed, 
My muscle will have nothing to say or no power at all to get stronger. In the same way, that's the grace that empowers. I mean, just the fact of speaking, you know? Pastor Keith definitely has a gift of speaking, right? So it's the grace that God had given him to be a pastor and speak and preach. But if he went hoarse or he didn't breathe again the next day or whatever might happen, right? It's the grace that he breathes, the grace that his heart's pumping, it's the grace that his voice works, it's the grace that his mind works, the grace that he can remember. I don't know how he does it. Everything, remembers the whole sermon. I don't get it, but he does it, right? I mean, it's a, it's a gift, but it's grace. All of it's grace. Everything's grace. And the grace that empowers is just that grace that says, God, empower me in this moment. Well, not all of us are called to preach or teach, but what, many of you are called to be parents. And I don't know if there's ever been a harder time that I can remember for a parent. Right? There's no manual to know how do you parent a kid through a pandemic. Oh, yeah, okay, turn to P for pandemic. Oh, there it is. Okay, you just, right? I mean, this is brutal, right? And it's learning to have grace. God, I need your grace to figure out how to navigate this. Fill me. Give me your grace. Empower me to do what you called me to do. And, and as he empowers us with grace, reminding us that we're saved and we have the gifts, that he can empower us, that grace can sustain us and encourage us and fill us to be able to do what he's called us to do. There's nothing that God's called you to do that he won't give you the grace to do. But you just have to acknowledge your need. And so whether you have a boss that you can't stand and you think, I can't do this one more day, grace. I can't do one more diaper. I can't change. I can't get up one more night, grace. I'm having a hard time loving my spouse. Grace. Kids, we know it's hard to have a parent in a pandemic. It's grace. It's God. You've given me grace. Help me to be gracious. It's, it's all this, the stuff that's going on in COVID, all the stuff that's going on in government, all that's going on. It's like it goes back to grace. The grace that empowers that God will do what he's called us to do. He will give us the grace because of the grace that he's given us to love others, to care for others. It's all about grace. We can take credit for nothing. And what's so beautiful about grace, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I think sums it up. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you feel weak as a parent, as a kid, as a business owner, as a businessman or woman? Do you feel grace weak as a parent? Do you feel health? Whatever it is, God's power through his grace is sufficient for you. As I was thinking about this message and kind of putting it together, um, I, I, and I kind of thought about grace as, you know, the grace that saves and the grace that gifts and the grace that empowers. I was reading back in the context, 2 Timothy 1, and it, it really played out exactly like I just shared. It is really biblical. It starts off by, as what Natalie wrote earlier, is that talked about Timothy and his faith, coming to faith. That was the saves part. And then it says, I'm going to fan into the flame the gifts that, I, that, that are in you. That's grace gifts. And then it's so that you can endure the suffering that's to come your way. That's the empowering 
And then Paul says the same thing. It's by grace that I am saved. It's his purpose. It's his life. I'm just following him. It's that grace that saves me. And he goes, but that's why I was appointed a teacher and a preacher, right? That's the gift that God's given me. Why? So I can endure and I can suffer for the gospel and be empowered to do what God has called me to do. I wonder this morning if you feel without hope this morning, maybe like one of the testimonies we've heard where you were like, I'm dark, it's lost, I can't do this. Maybe you're wanting to say, even you, maybe online, maybe there's someone there just saying like, I need Jesus. And if you feel like you can say those words, that's God turning you from, bringing you from death to life. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive your love and your grace. I put my hand out and I want to give you my life. I want to surrender my heart to you. The grace that saves you, that fulfills you, that sets you forth, it's also the grace that gives you. I mean, there's some here today who are probably feeling very guilty, very condemned, very overwhelmed by your sin. You promise I'll never do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you know you can do it tomorrow, and you're like, I give up. If that's you today, I just want you to say, go back to the grace. Be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I know some of you treat yourself very harshly. You would never say to someone, what you say to yourself, the way you insult yourself and the way you talk down about yourself and the, way, thing, the names you call yourself. And can I just encourage you to receive the grace that's in Christ Jesus? To take one look at yourself and confess that sin and, and then take ten looks at Jesus, the giver of grace. And to know how loved you are and who you are and whose you are. I know often, and I experienced a bit of this when I became a Christian, I remember, you know, like I, be, I was saved and good, that's good. And then all of a sudden I became, you know, I began to think I had to work hard. And I just got to a point where I was just exhausted, legalistic, trying to do what I had to do to please God. And I just say to us this morning, like, it's, it's grace. Same grace that saves is the same grace that saves Lastly, I know that there's probably some right now that are struggling with bitterness, with anger, with just this spirit of of inability to forgive someone who's hurt you. And I know it's so hard, and I know I don't know your situations. But I beg you to be strengthened by the graces in Christ Jesus. Just push your hands out and say, God, I need you. Please help me to forgive others like you've forgiven me. I don't know if maybe you're feeling purposeless or lost. Maybe you're feeling discouraged and just tired. I just, same answer. Grace, God's grace is for you, for all of us. May we all make a grace resolution this year. And whatever area that you've kind of found yourself in these different situations, to just as simple as this, go to the faucet. Go to the river of, of grace and let his grace change us for an incredible 2021, no matter what the world brings us. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for your grace. It saves, it gifts, it empowers. It's all grace. And so, Lord, I just would pray that we would capture that. And then we wouldn't leave today or leave this online call before we've just made a resolution in our own minds to go to be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And Father, if there's anyone here today that's just is an orphan, away from life, doesn't have anyone, feels empty and lost, Lord, may you open their eyes Make them alive together with Christ. And may they experience the joy that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and experiencing the rivers of his grace. In Jesus' name, amen.